0: it's 3 p.m on a sunday afternoon thanks for tuning in to cannabis legalization news where we explain
1: marijuana laws so you can change them today we're joined by kenneth mason from equibus out of chicago we're going to be talking about uh accounting for cannabis entrepreneurs so let's just get right into it hey kenneth what's up, hey guys? how
0: you guys doing what's all
1: hey, going on? Yo. Kenneth, thanks for joining us today
2: can you tell us a little bit about what y'all are doing at equibus
0: Of course, of course, I'd love to. It's what I I love doing more than anything else. Um, (laughs) So um, I was the CEO of Equibus, um, an accounting firm, a small accounting firm, pretty much with the community in mind, right? And so when I started the company, it was pretty much us trying to make a difference in underserved communities um, that blossomed into the cannabis industry after my personal stint with really trying to help with, the in the industry from a social justice standpoint I found myself becoming more and more involved and then I quickly saw that there was a need because um, I spoke with folks who ran cannabis companies and they could not tell me any of it they couldn't answer any of my questions when I of course geeked out about finances and so I quickly saw an opportunity but um even with that we still held tight to the the heart of the company which was uh, making an impact in um, our underserved communities awesome yeah man
1: uh, you know thanks so much for coming on the podcast and for tuning in don't forget to smash those likes and subscribe and get in touch with him if you have some questions about cannabis accounting we're going to go over quite a few of them and we also have some uh some news to cover you know yeah yeah
0: so uh, what does he tag along accounting for good me So it still kind of plays into the the community aspect of um, why we even started. And and so um, with that in mind, the good of the community is where the accounting for good comes from and how we wanted to uh, provide resources, the knowledge, and even some of the funding opportunities for the small business owners. And again, these communities that I grew up in, um, that a lot of the business owners that I know are in and where we saw, businesses close open and close open and close right back and um really wanted to be able to provide them with those resources and so again the heart of everything we do is our community that's
1: really cool man and like uh you know it, illinois just handed out and this is one of them and it's a very it's not very cool it's like uh, you, you get it in a word doc and you're like wow that's what a craft grower's license look like. That's <laughs> oh, what people man. have been trying so hard to get. And it's just in a word doc and it's valid for a year. But the community, as you mentioned, and so this is tied to a piece of real estate. And there's only 32 that got awarded so far. They picked mm-hmm. 40, but only 32 sent in the $40,000 application uh, uh, license fee. And so now there's all these communities that are out there that can really benefit from public-private partnerships and other types of programs that may – because, like, the, the people that won, they
0: are needing the investment dollars. It's pretty interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you you see that a lot. And that was kind of the concern that a lot of us had and a lot of folks who were applying had from the get-go when they the initial dates for um, when the licenses were supposed to be distributed or you know the winners were supposed to be picked and obviously that the, the timeline from that what last year till to now um you have folks who are trying to hold on to real estate yep and had leases and had to pay these landlords. But folks who qualified, especially with the social equity standpoint, from a social equity standpoint, they didn't have the funds to, to hold on to these space, uh, spaces. And so um, it, it got pretty tight for a lot of people. And so some people actually said, you know what, we can't do this. So next go around. So all well, the licensees, yeah.
2: the, all the applicants had to have uh, land, uh, actual title. Like that was my biggest fear here in Washington when we did... Um, Licenses was I can't pay rent on on a gamble. I can't hold a thing and and hope that this
0: is going to be a you know it's bad enough I'm trying to pay the rent for the kids exactly 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 you know and then not to be able to be in operations to even try to you know sell anything to make make that money up right. Right. Yeah, it's something else. But now, like,
1: the money finds you after you get the license. And so the social equity aspect of it, and maybe they don't, maybe they were capital poor before they got that email. And then that one page Word document that says they have a license. But now that they have that, people are knocking on their doors to get it. Uh, And then with the community uh, as such an important part of your business, it's one of those things where the community was something that I wrote into the application very often. And I put that Mm -hmm. as a member of the team as well. And uh, now it's like, well, everybody's going to try to poach and move these licenses around. I'm like, hang on a second there, bro. (laughs) Uh, You need to have the state say you can do that. You just can't say like, well, we're going to move it over here now. No, That's not what the deal was. What's your reason for moving it over there? Do you have, have mm-hmm. a reason, and then if you want to move it, you only have ninety days, and so like you basically have to have a new facility
0: ready to go, everything. and then move. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything has to be set in stone. It's I, mean, I, I think a lot of people thought that the the big well the only milestone was to get the license. Um, there was <laughs> a lot, a lot to go into, and I think a lot of us who who've been. Who've been around and, and worked with some other folks, um, can can tell and just well, you know, let them know. But a lot of folks thought that it was just getting a license and that was the biggest, the biggest hurdle. I'm like, there's a whole lot, whole lot left in the chamber.
2: Yeah, well, I mean Kenneth, we just got the, in an agreement we're talking and you're part of a, a winning application as well. So that that's the question, right? So you, you, you they won with the forty thousand dollar that they were able to throw away at a guess. And then <laughs> and then now they're millionaires, but the no they're is, paper millionaires. They are like, millionaires until the money's in the
0: bank. Until <laughs> the money's <laughs> in the bank. You know, the thing. Just, Just because
1: the, this is yeah. like again, like this is between like six and ten million dollars. And so not yet. Not yet. You know, and that's really interesting that the state has done this. And now we have these community partnerships where it's like, well, are we going to be able to bring this business to these communities and Mm -hmm. make them a success story in those communities? There's like Jahan Gordon's our rep here in Peoria, and she had just made the news for getting a 10 million dollar grant out of the 45 billion dollar capital works projects. So now I'm like sitting there going like, hey, Mm -hmm. Let's go get some of that money <laughs> for right over there. And then, yeah. like, we're bringing business back. We just mm-hmm. need two, four, five. She asked for 10 million. We're not asking for 10. Jahan asked for
2: 10. We just want $3 million. He's
0: on a couple. Yep.
1: Seriously. Yeah. Seriously.
2: But how do you do that next step? So now you've had the property, you got the license, but how do you pull in that more equity? Because you need that for the the, the dirt. <laughs> for the seeds, for the farmers, for the employees that are going to uh, uh, weed and and, and 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 give nutrients to your plant, and then, you know, the the transport because right. eventually, I know you you're an encompassing as far as like you're you do the bookkeeping and you're doing the mm-hmm. accounting and but the fundraising, how
0: do we get to the three million now? Oh, so uh, it, two pieces to that. So uh, fortunately, the the, the two uh, applications or licenses now um, they were they were well. Um, backed and funded from a capital standpoint, so they won't have any issues, but for a lot of people, and and, uh, Thomas kind of alluded to you, once you have that paper, people started coming out the woodworks to come find you. They were waiting for this. I think you have some people who are traditional investors who were trying to get their hands on some of the licenses, they couldn't do that, so for them the next step was, "Hey, I want to invest in some of these companies who do um, get it." And so I'm noticing that there are there are people who are asking me, you know, because on well, most people may not realize this. You think the only people that would come to me, uh, our firm as an accountant, would be, you know dispensary owners, uh, farmers, et cetera. But we also get investors who are like, look, I want to make sure that this company that I'm putting my money into, they have, they're on their P's and Q's. Right. Um, and so we actually had people coming to us um, kind of just trying to act, get you know, gauge and see what was going on. So they can have an opportunity themselves to invest in some of these companies. It's Chicago, Chicago area, Illinois. That's a, you know, it's a it's a big market for them, and they that's what they came in thinking. So it really wasn't hard, and it hasn't been hard once you get once you're at that point, especially in a place where we just now distributed these licenses. We had people that were waiting, and so um, to really answer your questions as far as the next step, it really is. <laughs> I don't want to say picking. Um, because you know, picking investors, you still have to go about it the right way in terms of who um, are investing. But I've noticed a lot of people um, were already gauging um, and trying to build relationships with potential investors. Mm -hmm. Everybody has people now that are, um, have people that are interested now, right? Um, Again, no money has been put in any bank account yet, but there are, are, I don't think anyone that I'm aware of have had issues with people wanting to invest it's just getting to that next step of all right we have potential investors now what do we do
1: now we can start talking about your term sheet and if you are one of those winners that needs one of these you can find me on ig at cannabis industry lawyer and then i'll call kenneth to check my math now uh one of the things is uh you know where does this valuation on the piece of paper being six to $10 million come from? Uh, that's interesting. And then once you actually see it in your financial models, and so when we, we put a line item in our financial models for an EBIT of valuation, and we mm-hmm. do a spread for our of valuation from a 4.5 to a 6.5 multiplier. Uh, gotcha. If you guys are following this, you might <laughs> be able to get investors. Welcome to Canada's <laughs> Conservation News. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you I think made it this people. far.
0: You're <laughs> right. You made it this far. So
1: uh, yeah. you're, you're in the right track. Yep. So um, how do people then structure or what types of structures would you advise? Or if we were spitballing here, just a couple of right. girls talking after school. How would you structure a capital infusion for these new license holders that are looking to help capitalize their their buildings and also round out the operational excellence that's on their team? Right, right, right. So,
0: um, well, one, a lot of it you do have to go back to the drawing table with these investors because some of them are asking for specific things, right? And so some of them want to see specific things um, and uh, um, that may deal with, again, the financial projections. They're starting to become more aware of like, hey, what is the industry uh, entity structure looking like? You know, I want to say maybe, you know, a handful of years ago, you had people that were throwing money at these companies without, you know, doing their due diligence, right? Um, Which was weird because these were traditional investors who in a normal, uh, in most industries, they would go through the gambit to make sure that this company is someone that they want to invest in, right? And so I think more people are um, being diligent (laughs) about it. And so they're, they're requiring like, hey, we need to know entity structure. We need to see who's all on your team. We need to see organization uh, structure and things like that. And so pretty much having a um, well put together business plan, which you should have after applying and you know, entity structures, everything should be there, but um, structured in a way that you can present to the investors. And of course, show yourself in a good light. Um, investor deck pitches, having those financials. From my experience, people want to see the, the first three years and then three to five years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so really making sure that you um, have those financials. I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, the financials, they want to see all right. Well, how much money do you think you're going to be making in the next three years? Because yep. every investor wants a return on their investment. Do you help with the financial modeling at uh, your firm? Absolutely. That's yep. that's. I feel like it's all we've been doing lately. Oh, um, me we'll too.
1: It's <laughs> so much fun. Let's talk about it uh, because, like, I maybe after the show, I'll get in touch with you to work and participate on a financial model for a dispo because I'm mm-hmm. uh, mine. I is clunky. I want a better input model for my financial model on my dispos. But uh, I like – we
0: gotta get into
1: that, man. Yeah, it's but that's how you do it. And then, like, one of the things that I like to do is I like to refresh my models to uh, take into consideration the diminution of the price of flour. So my mm-hmm. model started mm-hmm. thirty. Two fifty for wholesale, and they'll go down to
0: twenty two hundred. Uh, now, do your models like to do that? So yeah, so what I like to do in general, though, I I like to have different scenarios, right? So we have um, what we call the best case scenario, which that. But people like to see, it. it makes them feel good. We have what we think is actually gonna happen and not necessarily the worst case scenario, but not the best, right? And, and it's, um, you don't do as well as what we think is gonna happen, but just to show um, and kind of give a perspective of where a business is possibly gonna be in the next couple years, right? From a financial perspective. So I know you say you like to refresh it. And I'm, I personally like to always update it, even after the first draft, we have a, um, we continually update it because new information comes out. And if anyone had their eyes open for the last year and a half, stuff changes quite often. And you can find yourself in the middle of a right. pandemic, which changes everything, right? And so um, continually updating based on the current business right. environment. But yeah, so. always updating until we finally present to an investor
1: yeah and i like to scenarios absolutely man and i like to have it like so i'll put like you know my pricing for my collateral based firm, I'll be like, no, this is our Q3 pricing. And so like, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, and, and guys update your decks. And so like on the decks that we'll, we'll be talking with, you know, they'll have like a date and sometimes it's a month, but then also there's decks for different types of investors. Are you pitching for yeah. real estate? Cause you need to build a farm. That's a different pitch than you're trying to, you know, get the right operational talent and brand management talent in there so that you can differentiate your product. They, they usually are. Different, you know, kettles of fish. but Yeah, yeah it's,
0: it's like you said, when you want to update the inputs, the things that will change how much revenue or what kind of expenses you have. There's so there's so many different nuances to it, but you it has to be included if you want to get a quality picture of what you think is going to happen.
2: And this is why it's important you have either a CPA or a lawyer on your team. I mean, this is not your hippie grandpa's weed you know this is not you know i buy a qp i'm gonna break it up in ounces save one for myself mark up yeah. the other ones 25 percent, so it covers my own price and call it good i mean this is actual infrastructure of what business is you know i mean even what there's that recent irs confidential irs marijuana guy details audit procedures for uh, the agents to follow uh it was an mj biz daily do you guys mm-hmm. think like with that secret document you know the irs talking about like possibly do you think the 280 is gonna go away
0: and this is gonna be easier for uh, businesses to happen it will become easier once uh Federally um, it becomes legal. Um, I don't think at any point before then um, we're really going to see them let up. You know, they, I'm hearing you know, they say that, all right, as more more states become legalized, certain um, agencies aren't cracking down as much. I'm personally not seeing that. Um, in our experience with my team, we're not seeing that they are lessening up much, um, but I don't think we're not gonna have our be clear and free until a uh, full federal legalization, which even at that point, I think we're still gonna see more in terms of regulations, right? I'm, I think that we're gonna see more of them actually uh, trying to create more regulated rules and things like that in terms of the industry.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you guys are aware though. Like, So, like, the IRS has been involved in the cannabis industry somewhat. Like, here in Washington State, when we were medical, we have this huge chain called Have a Heart. And there was actually a shakedown by an IRS agent on this guy, uh, the owner, for like a million dollars because they're, like, he's all like, I know everything's in, in cash and, uh, you know, I know you have this, right? Regardless, the guy did or didn't, he was trying to be one of the gray areas out there when you don't mm-hmm. have a regulated market. People are saying, I'm a businessman. I'm trying to give, I'm trying to give you money right. you know and then uh the irs is, and, and it can be any arbitrary number then i'm sure now they probably have like you know there's a there's a more idea of what someone's pulling in but the thing is oh yeah. this guy actually ahead. Okay. well funny. like
1: more like, the data reported from this cash industry on weed is so beautiful outside of alcohol <laughs> It's so amazing, right, right, right. immaculate. The only other books that are this good are casino books <laughs> I mean, like, because you have to track every dollar that comes in and goes out of that mm-hmm. place. And so, mm-hmm. like, they know how much that's why it is the lowest hanging fruit they're like it's so." It we're talking in the, in the green room if you're a grower out there and you're the social equity president consider donating your salary back into the company and working for profits because your administration aka trafficking yes. you are going to have to pay double tax irc 280e tax mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. your salary so you might as well not take one or it sounds trash may also be the harvest manager and so like, <laughs> what are employee oh,
0: allocations? This is a very important topic
1: for uh, oh, our absolutely. company. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. So, well, in order to answer that, you kind of got to take a couple steps back and got to briefly explain to ADE. It's the IRS code. It's a code in internal revenue um, where cannabis companies essentially because we're talking about cannabis. Cannabis companies cannot deduct, have any deductions on for their taxes, right? No expenses. However, by looking at the definition of a 280e, and the um, the language is, you're pretty much being taxed instead of on profits like a normal business. You're being taxed on gross receipts. So you're thinking, oh, my gross revenue. Well, the IRS defines gross receipts as you know all your your total revenue that you that you receive, the income you get, less. Um, <laughs> less any <laughs> less any cost of goods sold right yeah. so cost of goods sold are um sold any cost related to being able to prepare a product for sale um mm-hmm. such as you know if you a dispensary you gotta well if you're a, a cultivation farm well you need seeds in order to grow right oh. well those are cost of goods sold mm-hmm. oh, 420. 20. 420, 420 somewhere 20, everybody 420 somewhere. take a minute
2: And if you'd like 2 sex uh, sexy talk, uh, <laughs> check, like, and subscribe.
1: <laughs> Thanks for the plug, Mickey. I really appreciate it. But yeah. And so you have to allocate is your employee cogs or ordinary and necessary expenses of which you are allowed no deduction for. And so like common and ordinary, what's the, what are the two, what's the buzzword in accounting lingual? Cause we know
0: cogs, but what's the other one? Is it, is it, ordinary and common or it's well generate a general and administrative expenses right Mm -hmm. so if you're say um Well, like a CEO that doesn't actually help, that's not a grower who's not back there actually, um, you know, harvest, helping harvest and trimming and doing all these different things and getting the plant ready for sale. You're not, you know, you're just an administrative worker. You you think yourself, all right, I'm the CEO. I should be able to write this off. No, not quite. You make decisions. You don't necessarily get the product ready for sale. So you're not a cost of goods sold you're a trafficker you're a trafficker yeah you're an administrative trafficker right so are you cogs or are you trafficking you know
2: oh wow but that, that's just crazy, though. I mean, like the comparison for 280E, right, would be like, say, alcohol for lack of a better one, um, mm-hmm. like the, like the, like a brewery versus the grow, right? Like the brewery, they can probably write off all the gas they go and mm-hmm. and, 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 and taxes probably on the way or whatever they incur uh, or, you know, the,
0: the wheat and barley, right? right. They, they, everything, everything, because they're not uh, – a. Federally uh, illegal or scheduled drug, right? Yeah. Um. So they can write off everything that's a business-related expense. Um. A dispensary can't write off their advertising expense, right? Damn. They can't write off all of their rent, all of their utilities. They can't write off, um. You know, merchandise. You say you got, um. You know, hats, and you sell, whatever it is. You know, lighters with your logo on it. You can't write that stuff off. Well, now, Tom,
2: you've said, though, you kind of can, though, but you have to layer it like a hospital. Is that what you were saying? Well,
1: managed services agreements. But what he was just describing is your IP brand management company. And so you would have a name. You would have trademarks. Mm -hmm. You would have genetics. You would have uh, contracts with who's your favorite rap
0: artist from Chicago, Ken? Yeah. Um, I want to say it, but it's like, ah, he's been been strumming up. Bless. You know, okay, my favorite rapper of all time, Kanye West. Okay. You have an exclusive (laughs) agreement to make Kanye West
1: social equity (laughs) weed. That is IP that goes, and that you might need to pay a re, a reasonable royalty fee. Kanye, please don't call me, but you know you can you can hit me at cannabis lawyer, and then we'll follow up with Ken. We'll make sure it's papered real well. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It's like I'm sorry, we're sold out. Why? Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's yeah.
2: an example of that, though, of a multi-tiered producer who's also involved in other stuff with the swag. It's cookies, right? Like Berner has Ooh, the yeah. weed brand out there, but he had a clothing brand out first. Uh, and then they're yeah. all kind of integrated into the, the one. That's what I want to do with Brax family
1: agriculture. So Brax family ag. And then it's just, I get to be puff daddy and I'm just like <laughs> writing deals. And then like, you know, no, no, you need this brand. And okay, now we're going to make sure that you get this type of royalty for mm-hmm. that. And then all the growers, you can kind of appeal to their um, egos be like, I'm on, don't, don't you want to hustle your own uh, strain, bro? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, well, the, the interesting part about that with obviously, you know, people that, you want to build your brand. So, of course, that comes in different forms and you have the merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the IRS pretty much is saying, well, if that's connected, connected to the, the, the business of, again, you're trafficking drugs, right? Then that's considered part of the business um, we call in the county where we, we look at. The business activity from the perspective of substance over form, you know, substance, what's actually happening versus the form. You have people that say, all right, we have two different companies, one selling merchandise, one selling weed. They're both under the same roof. They're both two feet apart. (laughs) You know, is it two different companies? Are they two different companies? Well, the IRS is like, I'm going to look at the substance, not the Mm -hmm. form, the form of being the two entities. No, we're looking at what's going on. Now, with some of those companies like, say, Cookies, um, they're able to say, like, we have a legitimate business selling merchandise. We're making millions of dollars off of X, Y, and Z. It's profitable. Um, This business could stand alone all by itself. If, you know, aside from, you know, selling marijuana, I don't know. (laughs)
1: this is a case from 2018 tax court that Kenneth is talking about, and he's absolutely right. And so it's that reasonableness. you know. And so, like, if I'm sitting there with Brax Family Ag, just inking deals and making sure that the royalties are all coming from the sale of weed, tax court's going to look right through it and say, no, you're trafficking, mm-hmm. bro.
2: That's crazy right, though. Right. About the reason on well, this thing you guys are talking about, as far as like, you have to first be successful at one thing, mm-hmm. and then you can do what the fuck you want after that. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> like seriously though, like we have here in, in Washington State, uh, uh, dab stars, they, and then now they're multi-state and everything. But the guy started off as a t-shirt company. Like I know him. Like like I was like, oh, that's a cool logo you got, bro. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. What the fuck is a millionaire now. Like no, like you know because he's he's MSO multi, you know, uh, deals and, and licensee. for. A really good name like to start as a t-shirt like it's just crazy that you have to show fruition first before you can mm-hmm. say I'm you know like i am why can't i be both why can't i be budweiser
0: and coke and <laughs> i mean i think that's why branding is important man that's i think yeah. that's part of the name of the game you want to you have to plan financially but if you want to win it's, it has to be a long-term game you have to look at a long term and branding is going to be what takes you there but you know irs they don't care about the branding they don't care about x y and z they want to look at wait how much money we know you owe us <laughs> right and how can we get that back mm-hmm. but also like hey again that their reasonableness right is this a company that can stand on its own? I want to say there were are, are companies who were trying to write off most of their cost of goods sold or not cost of goods sold. A lot of the expenses to, again, let's say that merchandise company, right? They want to say, hey, most of the maybe the utilities or rent um, is going on the financials of the merchandise company. And so, again, the IRS is trying to find, you know, again, Tom said low hanging fruit. There's no real differentiation between those two companies. They're under the same move, selling the same stuff. You're just trying to outsmart the IRS, who's been in this game long enough too to, to yeah. know that this is happening. Yeah. They caught Capone, remember? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember, man. he didn't go down for <laughs> what we know he did, but, yeah. you know. Luckily, they're in your staff right now. <laughs>
1: Oh, the IRS hung up on me today. And no. so, like, I had to – I got a lease for my uh, company, you know, have a car so we can drive to the trade shows. And uh, and they're like, oh, we need your EIN letter. And I'm like, okay. And I'm looking at my files. I'm like, gosh, where is – I know it's in here somewhere. I eventually found it. But, you know, I'm like, I'll just contact the IRS and get myself another IEN letter. It's, it won't take me that long. Uh, the IRS, you go to a web page, and the IRS tells mm-hmm. you to call a phone number. And then you call the phone number and the IRS hangs up on you. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait, did tell to go to the website again? That's <laughs> You know, I had to make a couple calls, of course, last week. And it was like, hey, you can visit the website. I'm like, well, I got the number from the website. What are you talking about? Yeah. It,
1: it's a never-ending loop. I love it.
0: <laughs> I love American <laughs> customer now, service. You got to know all the zero, one through nine different um, options before you can figure out before you just decide to choose any one so you can speak with someone that can hopefully point you to the right direction.
1: Yeah, well, let's let's help out these new cats that are getting licenses. And there's going to be a, a lottery. Basically, I believe we've taped this for Sunday or is this a Sunday show? And so there's another lottery, another 55 licenses hit. There's probably going to be another 60 uh, grows later. I'm not sure how many infusers. So um, let's talk about, you know, next steps. If you were in their shoes right now and you kind of are, it sounds like you're affiliated with one of the growers, Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. all right. And so um, one, you, you 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 need to assess your own situation, whether or not you have the capital, right? Um, or. If you don't, you need to go start, you know, looking out for those investors. But if you are a funder or if you have those potential investors lined up, it's so important that you do two things. One is you have the right team around you. Right. Um, I think a lot of people um, I think in business in general, they get in not really um, anticipating all of the different areas that you kind of need some level of expertise in. You need to um, have some awareness of the different compliance issues, especially in cannabis. You have to get your, have the financial expertise. A lot of entrepreneurs don't. Um, you know who do? <laughs> CPAs, accounts, et cetera. They have the financial expertise. But um, it, it's critical to have types of people on your team that are aware that can continue to focus specifically on those issues. So I would say, in short, is making sure you have the team together, that everyone has the responsibility. Because, so, well, theoretically, you would have had it already when you, you know the application and things like that. Um, but um, I think really honing in on getting your team together, and from that standpoint, um, starting to build out your your procedures and policies for how you're going to actually operate.
2: Mm-hmm. I think you made a great point, though, of having people knowledgeable because, and again, with, with having an accountant and a lawyer here, but also, like, when you talk about the actual grow, the physical place is going to be built. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to have to get built to code, and you're going to have power requirements for all the lights you add and all this other stuff that you add, you know, and then that place is going to get inspected again, you know, not just by the code, but by the whatever governing bureau you guys got in any mm-hmm. state. But, uh, um, what though, to get to that point, you know, what are your financial options? Like, you guys are. In financial circles, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, there's no federal, there's no legal, uh, or not, me, not legal, but uh, there's no uh, <laughs> traditional ways as far as the right. banking goes and everything like that. How do, correct, how, do, how do we get angel
0: investors or how do we reach out to these people? Dude, so, that, that's pretty much uh, what I'm seeing is the, the team sold, get funded, right? Private yeah. investors, private lenders, because you have some people that are um, looking to just lend it out and it kind of Take place of the bank, so to speak, right? Um, they don't want to invest long term as a, um, you know, having share of equity or anything. They're like, hey, we want interest on these payments, et cetera, et cetera. And they're private. Um, crowdfunding. Um, I see people actually, there, you know, some people, I guess, who are in, in, uh financially well-off circles who have groups of friends or families um family who are able to invest and so they kind of go through a um presenting to the family so to speak and they um get a group family together and like hey this is the plan this is what i'm doing and those who come from good stock i guess you know um, what they call those really rich people what do they call them family offices The family offices. They call them family (laughs) offices. (laughs) They let everybody in the family uh, work there. They're trying to make money, man, which I cannot. But, yeah, so um, in terms of finding those people, uh, um, you what I've suggested, all right, and so I don't know what's the best case, but what I've suggested and what I've seen work because LinkedIn – to some people's surprise, is a gold mine for our industry. One, they're not going to delete your account <laughs> if you're in the cannabis <laughs> industry, for starters. Yeah. <laughs> Second, every most professionals, if not all of them, are on LinkedIn. And then, obviously, investor-type professionals are on there as well, and they're in different groups. Um, Cause I actually have a lot that are uh, reaching out to me um, pretty frequently because, you know, they look, Oh, a cannabis accountant, he must have cannabis clients. And so they're on LinkedIn. Um, they're there. You can search them. It's pretty, pretty easy to find them. Um, and, you know, give them a spiel, but I'm finding that they're looking for you guys. They're looking for the license holders. So um, putting yourself out there on LinkedIn, for example, mm-hmm. Um, making this making it known that um, you guys are license holders um, and that in the Inverting in the right way that you're hoping for investments. Building a team. Yeah. yeah.
2: Do you think they're doing more betting since you're being hit more? Like, like I joke that, like, I, I think it's ridiculous that Medman's still in business and Blizzarian got money and High Times keeps nickel and dime everybody. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, the potential is out there. And all these people just squandering
0: money away. It's throwing money away. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, Medman, that that is, it's almost baffling. <laughs> There's a man, lot of man, real they, estate money out there
1: though. Like uh, they made they made weed appeal to people that were already investing in real estate. There's trillions of dollars of real estate. So if you could make them wrap their head around that, I could see them throwing stupid amounts of money and then
0: yeah. yeah. And we're kind of talking about this earlier. Like um, you know, you have people who are just so wrapped up in I don't even know who coined the term, but there's the green rush, right? Mm -hmm. And so they have their minds so wrapped up, I think, in trying to be one of the early or, you know, people that that make it. Yeah, yeah, for you're missing out. So the normal um, due diligence that they would take before they invest in someone um, or a company, they're almost like, screw it. I just want to, you know, give you my money. And I've seen people who... Are well known um, that we all probably know who um, have tossed money at a company while doing any of the due diligence, then come out and it's like to some of us accountants and say, Hey, you no, know, I'm losing my money. What's going on? Can you come help X, Y, and Z? And you're just sitting there like, You're you. And you mean to tell me that not once that you say, hey, do you have this in place? Um, can we see who's on your maybe a board of directors if you have this corporation? Who who do you guys um, yeah. or like, can we see some quality financials, etc.? They just say, here, here's my money. You have a license here. And it's just like, seriously, I mean, it's positive for the person with the license. But, you know, in terms of making doing a... You know you do the other. Yeah, it's, I just uh, figure if you if you make after seven figures, you don't know how to use Google.
2: I just figured that. I just don't. <laughs> know. No,
1: it's it's very strange. Like Kenneth's uh, right, because uh, I'll have clients that'll come, then they, then they want to sue, so they haven't talked to their accountant about the mm-hmm. financial wisdom of it, uh, and now it's gone, and so they want to sue, and then they're like, I'm gonna have to charge another fifty thousand dollars on this one. <laughs> how much did you give them? We gotta go get that back. That's gonna take right. some time. Yeah,
0: it takes some time. I yeah. think I need another meal. <laughs> yeah.
1: But he, it's just baffling that you'll see. And people will do hundreds of thousands of dollars of errors. And they're like, well, you know, I saw him. I'm like, what do you mean you saw him? Yeah,
0: He exists.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he had an internet webpage made out of Wix.
0: You know, he must have been legit. <laughs> it still has the Wix in the, you know, some of the websites you know still have Wix in the actual yeah. address. <laughs> right. I've got like one so, Facebook, ten, 10 Facebook pages. Like, that's the thing
2: about cannabis is there's so much potential. And then and its potential's mm-hmm. dying off. But. There was a lot of scams beforehand, a lot of medical scams, a lot of recreational scams. Some of them are still
0: going on, Medman. But, you know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck? You know, some people are, you know, like scammers. Not that I know some scammers, but maybe, you know, I know some folks. But um, they're they're, they're looking to (laughs) make it quick, get a quick dollar quick. And they know they can get away with it and get out quick, you know. And so, I mean, they have an opportunity, so they're doing it. It's just you have people who are throwing so much and then throwing more into something that clearly is a huge red flag.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I am sometimes going like, you know, I hear a lot of good things about mixed light. Oh, premium indoor, premium indoor. I'm like, oh, fine, premium indoor. But, you know, mixed light is evidently cheaper and faster and, like, you know, it's evidently makes some good cannabis. Right, right. Premium indoor. Premium indoor. All right. right. So you know, uh, we're a few million dollars light on the build out budget. Ah, oh, mixed <laughs> light, mixed light. Ah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. And so, like, what types of things do you need to do when you're onboarding a new client for
0: a dispensary to help with their bookkeeping? <laughs> So it depends on are they starting up or have they been in business already? Because if they've been in business, nine point nine 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 times out of ten, they need some cleanup, some heavy cleanup, and they're late on their tax return, which I don't even know why. I feel like once you get into the industry, you should already know that there's almost like a target on your back. Right. So the first thing you should do um, is even if you're not ready to get um, someone who's doing the day to day weekly accounting, et cetera, you know, find some type of financial consultant. Um, but to answer your question, onboarding, that's what we do. We, we first need to look and see how much needs to be cleaned up. Right. And then we start helping implement those policies, internal control procedures, which everyone should have right Uh, everyone needs to have those internal control procedures who's making the if you have bank account the deposit or who's counting the cash or who's putting it in the vault the safe whatever um this is going to help you keep yourself from getting only in trouble with the government who's going to be asking for you know, you to keep track of, whether it's through metric or whatever, to keep track of everything, you need to make sure you keep track of your money yourself, because um, that is a thing, right? And so we kind of lay the groundwork, we start off by um, laying the foundation of your, your policies, your procedures, simultaneously with cleaning up if it needs to be uh, needs to be done, but implementing those procedures, kind of, um, you know, making sure our own, the way we do things is being introduced and that we get on the same page so that our job is done properly as well, because what's the point of um, some financials if you don't read it, you don't understand it, and you don't use it to make better decisions. When you clean up the books, you ever find like, holy shit, dude, how did you even make buy in life? <laughs> Well, when, sometimes when I clean up the books, I'm like where is everything? <laughs> Here is <here's> my records. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I got receipts in my pocket. Dude, Hold on. Dude, yeah. I I I wish I had some receipts sometimes. It's like, oh well, we didn't really we don't know where this is at, where this is at. Oh we no, we got really to get... get
1: up on QuickBooks quick, but then like that's the other thing. You know that, and so then banking becomes even an issue where you're going to be paying uh, uh, quite a handsome fee per month. Uh, while you're, all, it's all on the outflow right now, you know. And so, like, if you want that account, that's cool. Okay, now I got to go build that, and I got to go get that. And so I'm just, you know, telling everybody that I can talk to. It's like, well. Let's get operational, you know, let's, let's do that, <laughs> yeah. and then let's make some cannabis, and then let's build out and let's be reasonable people. but um, that gives me another thing like some people they say that this type of cannabis license, the craft grow doesn't have the financial models to succeed. What do you think about that?
0: Um, I think there's there's definitely a, a, a large group of people, many folks who are in, into cannabis well before the legalization who are, are seeking that, that, you know, specific type of weed, that good stuff, the craft grow. I think there is um, uh, the room for them to grow. Um, however, it, it comes down to them really, at least, all right, let me. I'm going to pull out the, in my experience with some of the folks that I worked with in, in the craft space because um, some have not done so well but some have done extremely well and i think part of it is their location and where they are um i think that's a huge thing that some folks don't um maybe think about or realize that plays a role into you know how well they do is the region that they're in um where they are locally um but again we talked about brandon before that's a huge piece now some people just want some some good lead i don't want they know what good weed is too, you know what I mean? You have some people who, oh, I'm gonna buy some weed I haven't smoked since, you know, 2004 and they can, they'll can they buy some stuff from a dispensary and not think twice. We have folks who are, you know, I need the good stuff. And so I think that there is um, a market for sure. Um, it's tough, but I think um, in my experience that some have excelled where they are in terms of the region and then doubling down on their branding and making sure that like, hey, We're those guys. We got it like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the branding and then having that
1: reason to stand out and differentiate yourself. So you're selling your product. That's the real Mm -hmm. important thing. You know, it's Mm -hmm. great. You have all this canopy space and your financial model say you're going to be pooping out this much cannabis and this much Mm -hmm. uh, extract. That's cool. And there's your price per pound. Well, that pound
0: sell. That's the real trick. Well, that's going to be, you know, across all of all the different verticals all the different industries will it sell you know and so um that and that you know what and thinking about that that's why sometimes the financial mind beforehand is kind of tricky you're like all right because everybody thinks that they're going to sell everything every time you know from the get-go and it's like ah let's let's bring it back some let's get into reality i know i mean I know some local drug dealers who, you know, then couldn't sell everything. Let's just say
2: that just nobody wants their runs. Uh, <laughs> you exactly. You guys, your market is only still what? How many producers? Oh, it's
1: it's it's in the teens. There's like 20 licenses. I think. Well, now there's there's, no, there's yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah. craft growers still don't count, but like there was only 22, yeah. but I think there was like 19 license holders. So it's, um, it's What's just. It? it's just a few people.
2: Right. I would say with the lack of variety though, of course the shit's going to sell, but like if you were actually in a real right. competitive market and that's where I think it comes down to in the end is like all these people should be getting ready for federal legalization. Cause it's going to happen. Like get right, your books yeah. in that order, get yeah. your, your, your business affairs in that order. Cause get GMP full, certified, GMP, <laughs> all the product, the proper uh, manufacturer requirements. I mean, this is what cannabis is. It's a, it's an mm-hmm. edible consumption.
0: Uh, you know, it's almost like food, you know, yeah. F- yeah any more of it you, yeah that's <laughs> why it's a long-term and i agree with saying before it's a long-term game and a long-term play like this isn't just a get rich. this is definitely not a get rich quick team unless you're those in the beginning where you're just you <laughs> won the license and, then and you're gone and like you <laughs> yeah. know
1: thank you I'll, I'll take the million dollars i don't know what right. I'm
0: yeah. right are you investing a million dollars i'll take it then you don't see them anymore <laughs> right well you're
2: right I mean like as a, in the beginning you, you didn't win a million dollars you won a million dollar you know boat with a hole in it that you gotta <laughs> fill up until until it starts you know producing and staying afloat because mm-hmm. you know as an agriculture product you know, between uh, if say you hire the, the, the wrong farmer now you got spider wow. mites in your first grow and no one and, and then decided to vacuum it off you know I mean just like horrible shit <laughs> you, you know you don't know who's out there what's going on
0: yeah. I can imagine so let me just vacuum this all up
2: I saw that uh, there's a comic strip I follow and this guy in Boston (laughs) there's a Boston grower that did that no name for name but some Uh asshole did that just like people who use Eagle uh, 2020 and all the other (laughs) stuff that we don't like you know there's people doing the wrong shit and doing the right shit can be quite expensive very
1: um more likely yeah, what, than not it. yeah you know what what licenses uh, do you like the most which one, which uh, types of licenses do you, you think have the most uh, possibility for success
0: um so I think it's a lot that plays a role into that um, again like we, we mentioned the, the the regional aspect we we talked about well we don't think we talked about it so it depends also on your state you get, Uh, Each state, um, there's differences in the way you're taxed. There are differences in um, the different compliance standards you have to abide by. so and obviously for me, I'm thinking about it a lot in the finance, from a financial standpoint. So I'm thinking about 280E, which, you know, hopefully um, soon won't even be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, it is, and it's a reality. So I, I think about that. Overall, I like cultivations because you get to write so much <laughs> offensive cost of goods sold <laughs> compared to, like, say uh, – Dispensary or something, right? I mm-hmm. know. Um, I know we talked about deliveries, but well, know. yeah. Let's let's
1: help the uh, people watching though. Like we kind of touched on cogs, and here's how you can take your delivery license. Because so far, only nine people have punched that ticket, but they have until February mm-hmm. to do so. And there's like over a hundred winners. If you run it like FedEx, mm-hmm. in the sense that you aren't trafficking at all, you are just providing courier services for what mm-hmm. weed. But, like, you're not trafficking in weed. You're just pr- – you're moving it from place to place. So you mm-hmm. can try to classify it that way to see if you can completely avoid IRC-280E. However, audits take a few years to process.
0: <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. So – and that's something that's funny because they, you would get through a tax season. And folks are like, oh, I didn't get out of it. It must have worked. No, no, no. I – they – I've seen it, and they are still coming two, three years later, right? I'm like, yep. hey, hey, buddy, we need to see some receipts. We need to see X, Y, and Z, bank statements. we got a bank account. All these different things, they're still coming. And um, I think as more states legalize, sometimes we we aren't realizing that that, that still is something that we have to continue to um, be aware of and make that a part of our, our planning. Yep. Yeah, it's no longer
2: buying a QP anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find, follow, get in touch with y'all at uh, Equibus?
0: Once upon a time, you could uh, follow us on Instagram before Instagram shut us down. Actually. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, and they are allowing us to use Equibus again in a second in, a, in another account that we're trying to start. So we're still battling that. But LinkedIn, um, Equibis, Facebook, Equibis, E Q U I B I S. You can follow me on um, Instagram, Daddy underscore CPA. Not trying to be weird. I'm actually a father of two. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can follow us then. You can come to our website, equibusaccounting.com. Um, connect with us. We got some blogs, a lot of good stuff that you can read, you can use to prepare for a startup in cannabis or just to, you know, get your finances together. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And thanks for tuning in. Everyone, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Wednesday.
1: Woo!